Why don't we see many women in tech? Because of the myths that girls are not good at analytical skills, technical skills. We ourselves believe in social misconceptions toward women. It's a lack of a support system and a safe environment where women can grow, get curious, and learn. They feel women doesn't have the required capability, knowledge, and commitment. Many women actually struggle to be heard. I went to an interview once with only males in the room. Their eyes told me that they didn't want a female technical lead even before I spoke. Women think this tech industry is not built for the women. The biggest barrier is having fear and not believing themselves. If we would start seeing women not as an exception but as a norm in tech, then things would change. Welcome to Code Without Barriers, a podcast aimed to create awareness, challenge assumptions, and celebrate diversity in the world of coding, deep tech, and data science. Diversity is a vast topic, and we recognize the many nuances of it. It needs to be addressed from various lenses. In this series, though, we are going to begin with a focus on gender diversity in tech. I am Kavya Kanchana, your host. And today we begin our journey from the why. The audio clip you heard at the beginning were the voices of real women working to advance their career in deep tech. Their opportunities are huge, but their challenges are real too. Developers are the lifeblood of all technology products. Every industry and every sector of society is being transformed by the choices made by technologists. So, are our technology products truly representative of all its users? All of us are very much aware of the many examples of biased algorithms, be it racial bias in facial recognition or crime prediction, or maybe gender bias in healthcare or hiring algorithms. We have come across all of these. With more solutions becoming data-centric and AI-driven, these hidden biases can have negative consequences, either by wrongly representing or worse still maybe alienating groups of the society and their experience it is now understood that building in diversity in the developer and data and ai teams can be a key to identifying and rectifying these biases early on hence addressing diversity in tech is not only in the interest of the technology industry but it's also very crucial for every one of us whose life experiences are defined by these technologies now let us bring our focus on our pillar of work the gender parity in tech world as most of us i also assumed that there must surely be more women entering and growing in technology fields in this decade than in the past but sadly research shows that in 2013 the share of women in computing dropped to 26% that was below their level in the 1960s and latest reports from 2020 from mckinsey and national science foundation confirms that in the last decade this share hasn't improved while more women are getting stem degrees when you really try to isolate their field of study women earned only 19% of computer science degrees at the bachelor level in 2016 compared to 27% back in 
only about 38% of women who majored in computer science are actually working in this field compared to 53% of men according to data from national science foundation again and to quote another data point a 2017 poll in the pew research center report found that 50% of women said they had experienced gender discrimination at work while only 19% of men said the same so we can see that the reason for this gap actually starts right from education but sadly it also continues into hiring and it stays because of maybe bad work culture or lack of female representation and role models and the pandemic has only exacerbated this gap for the female talent latest diversity index reports released by big techs in 2020 show that overall diversity index across all roles in the organization actually hovers between 28 to 37% while the diversity index is improving in non technical roles that for technical roles still have a long way to go and more worrying is that these improvements here are all less than 1% year over year if this pace remains at this level it will take us decades to reach parity so how can we address these problems see solutions must start with an awareness and acceptance that yes there is a problem that needs solving and that must be then followed by sustainable corrective actions from all stakeholders today to discuss her experiences and share her thoughts and advice we have our first guest speaker Rene Lo, General Manager, Data and AI at Microsoft Asia. Hello, Rene. Welcome to our introductory episode of Code Without Barriers. We are really excited to have you as our first guest. Let me dive right into the discussion. You heard the why earlier. Tell us your why. Why are these conversations important for you? I'm in the data and AI space, so I love stats. Stats are telling, and they let us know what the problem is. My why is very simple. For me, it's not just knowing, but I see it, I feel it, and I'm living it. But although the numbers may not necessarily be where we want them to be, it's also not zero. And a small number of people together with their supporters can innovate their way into making a huge difference. because software it scales let's look at the example of fairlearn which is uh, focused on making ai systems more fair if you look at the world the world has bias it has bias built in and when you build ai models we train it with real world data which means if left as is our models will be trained with data that reflects a biased world and so the results that come up will continue to be biased results something needs to happen and a lot of decisions that need to be made are very important you take a look at mortgages or loans these are life impacting events and we need to be fair and we need to be transparent on how these decisions are made and so when we build the model you use a backwards looking data set but learning from history 
there's actually historically not many women who have taken out loans because they're not heads of household or they're not the primary breadwinner driving the income. And so we need to remove that bias so that we don't perpetuate decision making from a past onto the future for women that are of a different profile in the future. And so when we work on projects like FairLearn, the more diversity we have in AI, the better chance we have at identifying and addressing some of these gaps. So I would say know the numbers, right? That is very important, but don't let the numbers sway you into helplessness. Take action. Every person counts and look for how you can contribute and how you can amplify your impact. Thanks so much, Renee. I think uh, that just aligns so well with what we are trying to do here, right? To create that awareness. We don't want to be disappointed by the numbers today. And as you said, it's not zero, right? That's great. So we are on a path and the more awareness that we can create, the more conversations we can build. I think it'll, it'll change for the positive. Thanks for that insight. Uh, so going on to my next question, right? So many of our listeners are actually uh, building their tech careers. Can you share a little bit about your journey to becoming the general manager for data and AI in Microsoft? How did you navigate your career path? When I look at my journey, it's, it's one that is driven for or by the thirst for applicable knowledge that helps me expand my business impact. I have to say applicable knowledge because if we're just going out with a thirst for generic knowledge, you you can go on forever, right? It's, it's just an endless uh, pool of really interesting information out there. But finding the ways where I as an individual can have a larger impact on the business itself is my core. I started off as a programmer. I love diving deep. I love creative problem solving. And I love the largely deterministic nature of the job. But soon I realized our customers are not deterministic. As a matter of fact, I realized I didn't know very much about our customers at all. So I moved into product management. I wanted to fuse my technical depth with an understanding of the real world, of our real customers, of the macro trends. And then I realized that even if I built the best product, it doesn't mean that that product will succeed. So I moved into business strategy, looking at shaping pricing, uh, you know, leading sales and partner design, guiding direct and indirect go to market. After that, I learned about the power of teaming, of surrounding myself with a lot of people that are a lot smarter than me from all walks of life. And I think that last part is really important because people's background, their diverse thought, it really drives how they approach problems and how they approach problem solving. And I've learned a lot from people of all backgrounds, especially when solving problems. And not everyone is from a computer science background. It just really brings a broader view. For me, when I look at these teams, I empower them and they educate me. Right? We broaden, they broaden my view of the world and they open my mind to different approaches. And together we accomplished feats that others thought were impossible. And we did it again and again and again. Finally, creating a brand around driving hyper business growth. You know, throughout this journey, I found my partner, I got married, I had children, and I was told that marriage would take the focus off my career. I was taken off 
key projects during a very smooth pregnancy. I was asked, why are you so ambitious? I was advised that when you have a family, you don't have enough time to continue keeping up with the learning and all the uh, you know, new tech that's coming out. Maybe you should switch to a non-technical role so that the skills upkeep is a little bit lighter. This is not unique to me, right? Women everywhere are receiving these same pieces of advice from people that love them and you know, hope the best for them. But the question that I ask you is, what is your core? Right? What do you want? Not what do others want from you? What do others think is the best for you? My core is the product, right? Everything is an expression of that. You know, how does my product have the biggest impact for customers? How do I bring it to market? And how do I get rid of the friction? How do I build the channels and programs? How do I make sure that my product has a share of voice, has visibility, that it is built for the future? And so I would say, don't listen to others and give up your core, right? Keep your spark, keep your quirks, invest in yourself, and remember to network, right? This is really, really important. You're doing fantastic work. People should know who you are so we can, and people should know what you can bring to the table so we can help each other succeed. Don't let a brand or social pressure or a compensation package or a title sway you into dimming your light and your passion. That's, that's so wonderfully put. And I, I can resonate with so many aspects of what you said in your journey, right? And as, as women uh, and our listeners, uh, I'm sure everybody can resonate with it. I, uh, I'm going to take away that advice that don't lose your quirk. That's, that's interesting, right? Because we all try to blend into something so that, uh, so that we are more uh, accepted. So that's, that's great. And I also um, very much resonate with the idea of embracing the diversity and surrounding yourself with people who are more intelligent and talented than you and learning from them. So the, the lifelong learning, great, great advice, Renee. And, and uh, it really shows, right, how, how you have come up in your career and uh, you, are, you are a leader in Microsoft today. So thanks for that. Uh, I'm sure it's, it's inspirational to all our listeners. So now that you're in this career stage, right, uh, it brings me to my next question, which is uh, you are a leader now. And in Microsoft, you are leading teams of data and AI specialists. In your opinion, like what do you see as a leader's responsibility when building and growing large teams? Well, I think building is the first piece we'll talk about, right? So let's talk about building. We have to hire incredible people. I am always having discussions, uh, talks, coffees, lunches meeting more people because there's a lot of really incredible talent out there and we have to hire them. Right? That's the most important piece. But after we hire them, you have to let them be incredible. Right? Create the space for ideas, for opinions, to celebrate controversy and different thoughts, to encourage experimentation and make it safe to fail. I think this is one of those key pieces where many times we hire incredible talent and then suddenly they're on the team and like, hey, I'm the boss. I'm going to tell you what to do. Like, no, you have to let them and give everyone space to go and be incredible. The next is you have to help the team land incredible things. So everyone wants to be on a team that has impact, right? No one goes into a job saying, this looks just about right. I have very little impact. I push paper around and nothing gets done, 
right? And so in order for us to expand the impact of the team, we have to take the team and what it does and align it to the bigger picture. How does my team enable the business success, right? What do we do for the customer? How do we leverage other businesses? How do we raise each other up? And at every organization, there's different levels of complexity. But one thing that is core is that we need to amplify what the team has done. We need to integrate what the team has done for scale. And so a lot of the times our team has learnings and we share learnings amongst the, among the team itself, but we got to bring it elsewhere, right? There are some that are direct translations. Hey, the team in Asia, what have we learned? Let's go and chat with the team in EMEA and our team in, in, our team in Americas. But what is even more valuable is cross functions where we don't necessarily see a direct translation, but the, our thoughts, um, you know, the assets that we create, the, what we've actually learned from customer interactions is actually hugely valuable. So amplifying what the team does and kind of integrating it and scaling it in the system that we are built into is incredibly important. And then the last thing to do is we really look at how do you create a place to remember? And when you look back on jobs that you have moved on from, you don't actually remember the details of every single project, but you remember how you felt. And so we have to build the culture of the team and make sure it's a cool place to work. There's good people, there's big impact, there's recognition, and there's unity around the brand and what we actually do. And when you look at that and you look at the culture of the team, every team probably has and every organization has a written culture document. And that's great, right? It outlines what you actually want to do. But more so, especially those of you that are looking at moving into roles, look at the actions right? look into that org, that company and look who gets the who gets the rewards, who gets the promotions, because that's the action of this is the culture, this is the embodiment of what we believe in and promote. And then I think the last thing is something as simple as saying thank you. Right? I've learned this lesson many times in my career. I'm fighting for my people. We're trying to get more budget for salary increases, for promotions, for all of this. And when I ask for feedback, they say, hey, Renee, I just want you to say thank you. Right? That was great work. You put in discretionary effort. In the moment, remember that we're treating people like people. I right? treat them with the respect that they deserve. If they're going the extra mile, sometimes it's not about the advancement, the money. It's something as simple as acknowledgement. And so making sure that we are acknowledging publicly, verbally, and all the time for what the team has actually accomplished. That was a mini crash course on effective team building. Thank you so much, Renee. I think what resonates really with me uh, is about hiring great people and then allowing them to, to bring their own authentic self and be their own authentic self, right? So that that is very important, I feel, um, especially when, uh, when we are hiring diverse talents, right? And the other one about culture, there is always a written culture, but then the culture in action ma you know, matters a lot. So very, very, very important messages there. So thanks for that. Uh, I want to, um, you know, slightly digress into a different question uh, because one of the themes that we are focusing on in this program is also how we can improve the female diversity uh, or the gender diversity in, um, in the deep tech data and AI space, right? So often we hear about 
uh, women when they decide to work as developers or in deep tech space, even even though they are like really passionate and qualified to, to do the job, sometimes they are treated as diversity hires. Uh, this is this is based on feedback and quotes we have received from uh, real women and ma- many of us have experienced it in our career as well. So how do we as women who aspire to grow in tech careers address such um, mindsets or comments that come their way any any thoughts on that yeah you know th- this this is a hard one and i would say there's really no great answer here but you can't always control how others feel about you and for me i would say actions speak louder than words right go and be awesome but the key is people are not static right they will change Let me give you an example. I was in a leadership role and a full year later, one of the one of the other leaders, he came to me and he said, you know what? I want to apologize to you because I was very much against hiring you. I didn't think you had what it takes, didn't look like what we wanted, but I was wrong. And you came and this was exactly what the team needed and you've done incredible things. And so I just want to say people change, right? And as they do, and as you bring them through the change, through your results, you're actually paying it forward to women that need to work with those individuals in the future. And some of these individuals, they not only change themselves, they become champions and they start to fight the cause together with you because they realize that they were very unfair to you as an individual. This is going to be a very long journey. But I also want to say you, we as individuals also need to recognize when we are in a futile fight, right? Some people change. Some people are very stubborn. They are unhealthy to be around and aren't going to ignite or change forms anytime soon. And, you know, give yourself a fair chance, right? Like those that aren't going to change, don't waste your talent there. Surround yourself with people that will give you that fair chance, that will allow you to go and show the world what you can do. Amazing. Yes, that's great. I really like the advice that you're giving about once you do incredible work, your work will speak for you. And that, and through that work, you may even be able to bring more allies to the cause, right? And the great personal story that you're sharing is is really a testament to that. Uh, I think so. If you know you are confident, if you know you are qualified, just go for it and let your work speak for you. Right. So that's great advice. Thanks. Thanks, Rene. So I think from a time perspective, we are coming uh, slowly to the end of the discussion. So I have one more last question from my side. What is your advice to our audience? and especially our female audience uh, listening to this today, how can they take charge of their careers? There will always be uh, systemic issues and imbalances, right? Um, which which has to change, uh, you know, in a positive direction. But at an individual level, what concrete actions can they take to build their careers in tech if they are really passionate about the space? You know, when I look at the mentoring discussions I've had for the past few years, there's always two things that come up, right? One is I want to become a leader. And second is I want to work on strategy. And like every time someone says one of these two words, it's like a something that just flashes red in my mind because 
these are not actually aspirational things, right? You can actually do it from anywhere, from any position, as long as you show the initiative. You don't get assigned it, right? And even if you are assigned it with a title, it doesn't mean that you have the skill set, right? No one gives it to you. But also because no one gives it to you, no one can take it from you, right? So when I think about, you know, as you want to grow in your career, many people say, I want to grow. I want to become a leader. I want to grow. I want to work on strategy. Those are actually all things that we can do in our own way today by showing initiative. And so I would say, look deep into yourself and find something that energizes you, not necessarily, you know, based on market demand or stability or what others tell you, then go and chase it. Right. Go and chase what you are passionate about and you will become that leader in your own way. If this were a fairy tale, I would say, and the rest will naturally come. But it doesn't. Right. And we know that it's hard. And so the other key is to surround yourself with people that believe in you. And if you don't have that, right, continue to build that network of supporters around you. Now, I myself am decently active on LinkedIn, where if I see other female leaders, I may not know them, but I reach out because I need that network around me. And so likewise for you, surround yourself with those that will help you on this journey, right? Like anyone should feel free to go ahead and add me on LinkedIn. We are all a part of each other's journey because the environment is hard enough as is. And, you know, we shouldn't knowingly make it harder for ourselves. And so along the theme of being a leader today, I would say, you know, working hard, being right, that's baseline, right? That's what is the expected. But I think we take the next step, right? Take the next step into sharing your journey. And at every career stage, right? It doesn't matter what you're doing today. At every career stage, there is a young lady that wishes that she were in your position, right? Young children, young in career, middle manager, senior managers, there's always someone that's actually looking up to you as an individual, wishing that they were you. And so use this opportunity in every space that you're in to be a leader, amplify your voice. So the future that you want to live in becomes a future that we communicate today and we build it together. And when you lead, others will see you as a leader and with the right network, the future growth opportunities will surface to you. But put yourself out there, make your accomplishments known, right? Sometimes you got to go out there and share it yourself. That's what it takes. Then surround yourself with people that will lift you up. Great. Thank you so much. So leadership is a, is a mindset and we can all be leaders where we are with, you know, whatever level of career that we are in. So that's, that's the takeaway for me. And being passionate about the work and putting good, great work out there and allowing allies to support you and staying away from wet towels, right? So that's that's great advice, Rene. Rene, thank you so much. Thank you so much for this insightful conversation. And uh, this is this is the beginning of a journey for us here at Code Without Barriers. And we are really thank, thankful to you for kicking off this conversation, right? And great advice and nuggets of wisdom there. Thank you for listening in. Please contribute to this conversation. Share with us your thoughts and feedback. Follow us on Spotify and LinkedIn. And do check out our website for more related content. Link provided below.
Tune in next month for yet another insightful discussion here on Code Without Barriers. Thank you and take care.